Hey, Pretty Posse, and welcome to today's episode of Pretty Pillow Talk Podcast with me, Chelsea Dow, And me, Alana Downey. And today we have the privilege of talking to the amazing Layla Notham. And I said that right, correct? Layla Notham. Notham. Okay, I know it's a mean. Notham. Notham. Sorry. We are so excited to have you on today. And just be being able to talk about yourself and, and how you even came to the beauty, beauty industry in the first place. Okay. Um, my name is Layla Nottam. I am 28. I have two kids. I have an almost three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, I have two dogs. <laughs> but basically when I got into this business, um, Honestly, business, beauty was never, never a thing for me, Um, but business always was. I always knew I wanted to open up a business, whether it was, I don't know, dog walking or doing people's nails or anything that, you know, was a business. I I was, I was into it. Um, I was in school for mental health. So at that point I I knew I wanted to be a therapist or a counselor and open up my own practice. And, you know, so it was always the end goal was to have a business, but I ended up uh, kind of burning out <laughs> and went into this like very deep, you know, dark point uh, in my life. And it kind of happened so quickly. It was like very deep before a short amount of time. And then one day I just kind of woke up, got on Craigslist and I was like, what can I do? And I was like, I need something that's easy because, you know, fast cash. I was like, should I bartend? Should I be a waitress? Should I be a host? Something that brings in money right away. How old were you at that time? I was 20. I was 19 or 20. Your baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been like a hustle, hustle, hustle queen. I had like, I had, I think at the time I had one internship, two part-time jobs, and I was taking six classes at Montgomery College. Holy cow. Yeah. So I was kind of just anything to keep me busy. <laughs> so know? no wonder you burnt out so quickly. Yeah. And on top of that, I had a crazy boyfriend, you know, so <laughs> was extremely toxic. So I think the breakup with him, what was allowed for me to, that was when I burned out. I was just like, I'm done mentally. I'm just drained and toxic, you know? So I, you know, I, I just shut down, but then I woke up one day and I found an ad for, you know, become a spray tan artist. And uh, I was like, sure, whatever, you know, that's different. I can get tips. That's all I wanted. I was tip. Tips was my, my motivation. I was like, oh, it's easy cash. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I got into it and I mean, it was weird because obviously you're around naked people all day, but um, I had to find a way to, <laughs> I had to find a way to make it normal. So I just built all these relationships with all these people. And honestly, that's when I fell in love. Um, nice. I fell in love with the, the conversations and the relationship building and the customer service, I think was where that's when I really, I bloomed. And when I realized I wanted to be a service provider. You were growing up at home. Were was your family very encouraging towards that career, or did they ha- did you come from a culture that was very college based? Like, what was your family like? Yeah. So at the time, um, they thought I was still gonna still in school. <laughs> they didn't realize that I flunked out of everything or that I closed everything out. Um, so you know, they thought it was just a job. But when I told them, you know, a couple years after, I I told them, you know, I think I want to do this from home and maybe I, th- I think this is my route you know I think I want to open up a business and they were like okay cool whatever what about school and then I was just like I don't I don't want to do school anymore it's just not for me it's hard 
I took statistics like five times. So that was my, my sign. I was like, I got to give up. <laughs> I could not pass statistics. It's, it's so hard. I could do everything else, but statistics, that's what stopped me. But, but no, they were just like, are you kidding me? What about school? You put all this money in, you're almost done. I was getting ready to transfer, you know, to a four year college and all this stuff. And so, so no, they weren't really for it, but, but they were at the same time. I was very, I was the kind of kid that I was just like, don't worry, don't worry, I got this, I got this, you know, don't worry, you don't have to do anything, I'll decorate, I'll, I'll move the furniture, I'll, I'll empty up the rooms, I'll sell the furniture, you know, I'll make it happen, you don't have to worry about it, so when they said that, or when I said that, they were just like, fine. <laughs> you were confident right away, just you're going to make it happen. Yeah. So how did you choose lashes and brows? Uh, so I did lashes first, so spray tanning, and then I got into lashes right after. Honestly, my boss at the time, uh, so I, I, I started doing nails for a little bit, and we realized that wasn't for me. So we're, my boss was like, what about lashes? And then at the time, I was like, what is that? Who would do that? I'm like, what crazies would put these things on their eyeballs? And sure enough, you know, we did some research, and we saw that it was a thing. You know, people were really doing it. In my area, um, people don't really do that stuff. I mean, at the time, it wasn't a thing, but it was huge in Canada. It was a huge in New York and Florida and LA. You know, she was like, "Just try it," you know. And I was like, "Sure, whatever." And then she was like, "I'll pay for it." I was like, "Sure, whatever." <laughs> I did have to pay her back, like working. So, you know, me, I was basically working for free until she got her money back out of it. So that's fair. So yeah, um, but then I just. I felt, I really fell in love with that. And then I got to, it's, I, the only reason I got my aesthetics license after that was because my state didn't regulate. So wow. I told myself, um, I told myself, you know, I need to be 10 steps ahead of everyone. So uh, you. I was like, I'm going, I was like, one day my state will regulate. And so I'm going to already have a license when they do regulate, because I know, I know in some states, you know, maybe they don't have like a master aesthetics license, but they give you a master license if you have like 10 years of experience or something. So I was like, you know what, let me just start now and I'll have my license. And so that's why I got into it. Um, then I found permanent makeup. I have tattoos all over my body. You know, it's a thing, you know, my whole family, we all have tattoos. I'm obsessed. And my mom has botched tattoos from, from her country. So I was like, oh, I'm going to fix my mom's tattoos and I'm going to fix all her friends' tattoos and my auntie's bad tattoos. And I was, I just, you know, I just, I was, I just, I was interested. And so I, I just tried it. That's incredible. You know, I mean, taking risks like that to grow your craft and making sure that you are doing things. It seems like you have a vision for the future of like, okay, I'm going to get ahead of this. You know, I'm going to get licensed even before my state requires it and things like that. That's so important as um, an artist because mm -hmm. you do want, there is liability to what we do, whether you're a lash artist, a hair person, you know, a hairstylist or a PMU artist, you're taking a risk and you have to, the more licensing you can get, the more certificates you can get, you know, that's only going to make for better business. So do you own a brick and mortar? Yes, I do. Um, how you decided to even get there? Uh, I always, like I said, I always had a goal. So it was like, my goal one day is to, you know, run a shop. And it's like, when I was working as a spray tanning technician, I was basically, I have to say, I was basically like a manager without the title. You know, the owners okay. would like, 
they would like leave the country and go have their vacations and I would just run the whole place. Holy moly. They had other girls, you know, that were, that had their own little authorities and stuff, but I basically ran the front, you know, I had the keys to everything. I made sure, I made sure everybody was ready for their appointments and on the same time running my own appointments and, you know, I cleaned, I did everything. I basically ran everything. Um, And so I told myself, well, I have the experience. Like I know how, I know how to sell. I had the highest sales out of that whole team. You know, and I was also, I was the youngest one, but I was bringing in the most money retail wise. Um, And just me alone as a spray tanning technician, just with the spray tans, they were able to pay their bills. It's like, you know, I basically ran that place, but um, if it wasn't weren't for them, you know, I wouldn't have had all the knowledge that I had running a business. So, but yes, I, I own my own store. I just asked really quickly when you left and decided to leave that shop, was there any tension between you and the shop owner? Like you can't go anywhere. Did you have to sign a non-compete clause? Those are really popular here. I always communicated with the owner. We were very close. So I always communicated with the owner kind of like what I wanted to do and like things that I like, I'm like, Hey, what about this? And what do you think about that? And what do you think about, I always asked her like for her opinion on things. And I ended up actually leaving to go manage a massage envy. Mm. And she was like, Layla, you sure you want to do that? That's very corporate-y. And I'm just like, well, I mean, it's a managing experience. And it's like, you're not giving me the manager title. You're not going to give me the manager pay. And Mm. I want to be a manager. It's like, I want to manage. I want to run something. So she knew I wanted to, I wanted authority. Like I wanted to run the shop, you know? And so, you know, and so I yeah so I went to I went to run that place and it was not what I experienced and I ended up asking her hey can I come back <laughs> so I went back and then you know and then they gave me a contract so that's yeah. when I realized okay you know I see what we're doing here <laughs> you know and um I would say it, I would say there was a lot of miscommunication uh and obviously I get it all now so like years later, I definitely realized why they felt the way they felt. You know, now I have my employees and I have my own contracts. I, I totally get it. So it was probably a little tense at the time, but I would say years later, I, I ended up reaching out to kind of, I was also really young. So it's like, I ended up reaching out and I ended up apologizing like for my behavior and for causing any tension that could have, that what, whatever tension was there, I, I apologized for it. And I thanked her for everything she gave me you know, and everything she gave me, I have, I took that with me and here I am. So. And even all those years later, I'm sure that meant so much to her. Oh my God. Yeah. Like we used to cry together. We we were like, she was a kind of like a sister mother figure for me, you know? So, but now, you know, we follow each other on social media, we're commenting, we're sharing stuff. So we're we're good now. It was definitely at the, at the time it was a little, a little tricky sure I'm glad I'm glad that you got closure with that relationship because I think it is a hard thing where you outgrow your shop or you want to do your own thing and you want to contribute in your specific way to your industry and you're limited by these contracts sometimes especially when you live in a smaller area like that has a smaller population so I'm so glad that you got to repair that relationship so now as you how long have you had this shop uh so this August, it'll be two years. So I signed a lease the day before my birthday. <laughs> um, wow. so August, 
Yeah. So I always tell people like my store and I share a birthday. I love it. Two years, but um, I would say, you know, it was like November when we opened. So it was like August, we signed the lease, November we opened and then we shut down that March. So, so you mentioned that's hard, but you guys were okay through the shutdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I always say I'm hustle queen. I'm always gonna make find a way. I always make it happen. You know, it's kind of like a motto between my husband and I. I'm like, I'm gonna make it happen. We're gonna survive. So, during COVID, you know, I, I sold products. I, I finished my training manuals that I started years ago, and I sold those throughout the country. You know, with PDFs, sending PDFs to people, and wow, well, gloves. I was like, I have gloves someone buy them I have lashes I have tweezers I have glue because there were other people there were people that were still working the thing is it was so hard to buy products nobody was shipping anything you know so it was hard to even buy products if you if you were working so I offered products to the locals out here and that helped me pay my rent and also GoFundMe helped me pay that's, my rent wow that's super innovative prepaid appointments all of that <laughs> So smart. And, and just to be able to have that mind to say, okay, rent's got to get paid. My light bill's got to get paid. What do I have to offer that is of value? That's not necessarily what I want to be doing, which is lashes and tattoos. Well, you know, I can sell the products that I have because I'm not working, but I know other girls are. So super smart of you. That's how you know you'll never starve. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a survivor. Um, so you mentioned that you have two children. How do you balance your successful shop and motherhood? Because I find that that is my constant like mom guilt in my head. Like I could be having lunch with my kid, but I have to record podcast episodes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How do you find that work life balance? Honestly, uh, I think I just now started balancing. <laughs> um, my oldest is three, but Initially, when he was born, uh, I gave myself a month of maternity leave, and it was basically like my husband and I came up with a plan. Obviously, it's like his mom is retired, so she basically did childcare for us. Um, so whenever we went to work, or I went downstairs at the time to work, um, she would watch him, and then I would just go upstairs to pump, come back downstairs, go upstairs to pump again, go back downstairs, <laughs> you know. And so that was my first, you know, my first baby, but. I would say uh, it was hard at first. I mean, there was really no balance. I worked, worked, worked nonstop. I would say with my first one, it's, I didn't really build that connection with him, that relationship, you know? So I had to just kind of accept, accept it and let my husband and the grandmas take over. So they raised my baby for the first year and a half. Um, and then when I had my second one, um, it was kind of like, we assumed it was gonna be the same, but we ended up doing, we ended up moving into the store the same week that I gave birth. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I, I kind of was forced to like hand my business to my husband. I was like, Rick, who's going to do it? You know, the girls aren't going to do it. The girls that, you know, are employees, like they're not going to move all the stuff out and bring it like, who's going to do it? You are. So it's like, you're the only one that could really do it unless we pay someone to do it. But it was like, it was so last minute, you know, I was two weeks before the due date, you know? So it's like, we kind of had this deadline. We're like, we need to be moved in before this baby comes in. And sure enough, the baby came first. <laughs> um, so when that happened, you know, uh, I 
that's when I became a mom. Like, a, like for real, full time, like I had to just stop business and my husband took over. And I realized, I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta figure out a schedule. I have another one. I have two kids now. And now my husband's involved. So it's like, he's the one that was going to watch the kids. So now who's going to watch the kids, you know? Was he working prior to coming on board with your company? And, and please say the name of your company correctly, because I'm going to botch it. <laughs> so my company's name is Minx, M-Y-N-X, Minx. Love it. Um, so midway, so uh, let me just think. I think the same month that we realized we were pregnant <laughs> with the second one, I was, I had so much going on. I had apprentices, I had employees, and I had no receptionist, zero. So what? I was the receptionist. I was taking my own clients and I was uh, teaching at the same time. So I was going nuts. And so that's when I realized I was like, you know, my husband and I, obviously we started fighting, you know, you're working so much, you never stop. You're always on your phone. How many freaking emails could you have? How many texts could you have? People are really contacting you at nine, at 11 PM. I'm like, yes. Yep, they do. <laughs> and, yeah. And so they do. I was just like, I was like, you know what? Literally just like this. I was like, you know what? Um, just come to work with me one day. Let's, let's play, take your husband to work day and just, just be a fly on the wall. And sure enough, after that day, he was like, Layla, shit, we need help. <laughs> he was like, you need help. Um, we kind of came up with a plan. Um, he was working with his brother at the time and, you know, he, he kind of actually enjoyed being with, with us because it was a different vibe. It's like being with a bunch of guys, they don't even listen to music. They don't even talk to each other. And then they talk about the same thing. Being with a bunch of women, it's like, I don't know. It's like different conversations, just different energy. Everybody's so spunky and everybody's happy. And it's just, just better vibes. And honestly, he, that's when he first discovered what good energy was. He's like, wow, I love the energy here. I'm like, wow, do you even know what that means? <laughs> you know, but he loved it. He fell in love with it. So he was like, I'm down to work there. He's like, I'd love to work there. Nice. I get paid, you know, I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, we have to make money somehow. So yeah, he, he was working somewhere, but we came up with a plan to, for him to work. Um, and when he wasn't at work, like if we didn't, for whatever reason, have childcare, then he agreed to basically be the stay at home dad because that's his strength. He's amazing with the kids. He's an amazing dad. I don't know how he does it. Cooks, cleans, deals with two kids and doesn't complain and never, never looks tired, <laughs> never acts tired. Wow. Wow. That's just his strength. He's, he's born to be a dad, you know, so. Nice. That's, that's so incredible that you found that in your husband and, and that you guys can work as a team to build your success, you know, and, and that he's willing to kind of submit his own career pursuits for the good of the family and what's good for your family. So that's incredible. Yeah, so, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses for sure. I think that's huge in any relationship because then you can just immediately rule out, like I know my husband is not a handy dude, Okay. We, that's why we don't own a single family home. We own a condo because I need somebody to come in and fix the roof shingles and termite and fix whatever, because my husband has other strengths, you know, yeah. he's yeah. an incredible genius at political strategy. So that's what he does, you know, and that's yeah. what pays for the electricians and all that. So I find though, that understanding your strengths and weaknesses as a business owner is just as crucial, you know, that that translates very easily. Wouldn't you say, Alana? 
Oh, absolutely. You've, you've got to constantly be 10 moves ahead and be prepared for any of those moves to go wrong at any given time. So, and that's a lot for one person. So in your case where you had your husband, your right-hand man, your, I mean, husband and wife are just kind of on a different wavelength. Sometimes you don't even need to say anything. You guys are just a well-oiled wheel where you can just pick up where the other left off. So that's phenomenal. And I'm, as a working mom and as someone who has owned a salon before, I know what it's like, that guilt, like I'm giving so much of me to my business and my clients, and I'm not even giving this to my kids. I can, I can totally relate to that first year where, you know, the, I had a C-section. So, okay, I've got eight weeks. And after eight weeks, I've got to do what I have to do to make sure that my family survives. Exactly. You know, I can't just stop working. I have to do what I have to do. So I, I relate to that a hundred percent. So yeah. I hear you girl and I feel uh, deep yeah. in my soul what you went through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I learned through all of that after a year after my daughter was born, I, 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 I talked about this recently. Um, I feel like I woke up from this bubble. It's like, you know, when you wake up from a dream, and you feel like that dream was so real, but you're like, no, that was just a dream. I literally woke up like that one day, except I didn't have a dream. <laughs> it was just your life. It was my life. And I swear I woke up one day, the morning, it was so weird. Like, it's really hard to explain. That's the best way to explain it. I woke up and I was just like, like, where have I been? You know, I was like, and I felt so awake and so alive. And like, there was so much for me that I needed to just do. And so ever since I have just been choosing me first, because that's the only way I can raise my kids. That's the only way I can manage my family and my business. So I got into the therapy. I hired business coaches. I hired life coaches. I hired an accountant, you know, so people that can kind of just give me an ease of mind and kind of guide me at the same time. And ever since, you know, I learned that I need a schedule. And so the schedule for real has helped me balance out my, my life. Yes, absolutely. Would you characterize this waking up as like from like a cloud of maybe depression? Would you characterize that it it that strongly? I think so because it took me back to when I first got that job as a spray tanning technician and like where I was, you know, at that point. And it was like I was doing so much. I was like I said, I was taking six classes. I basically had three jobs. Like I said, that was my way of escaping reality. Yeah. Like when I was in reality, when I would come back home, I would just sleep, sleep, maybe drink, you know, sleep, eat, sleep, eat. eat. Sometimes I wouldn't even eat. I actually lost a lot of weight. I had like a eating disorder, all of that, you know, and I wouldn't even come out of my room. I wouldn't even shower. Like it was just bad, you know? And so it made, brought me back to that memory. And I think we do that when we feel overwhelmed by external situations that we can't control, we seek for distraction. I know I've done that in my own life. When I can't face something that's painful in front of me, whether it's an abusive situation or, you know, just not being able to give my kids or my family what I think they need, I like, okay, I'm going to throw myself into work or I'm going to throw myself into friendships or I'm just going to, you know, go on a singing jag for five days in a row, just something to take my mind and focus away from the thing that is painful. It took you all the way back that awakening to when you were yeah. just starting out and living at home still. 
Yeah, so it's like, like I said, that happened a year after my second daughter was born. And I think that when my first baby was born, it was like, it was like the second he was born, all I cared about was being a mom and being able to provide everything that I can for my kids. So then that meant in order to do that, I have to work, you know, I have to work, I have to build my business, I have to succeed, I have to do this. And it's like, I have to, I have to, I have to respond to all the text messages, I have to respond to all the emails. And it's like, but at the end of the day, people thought like, oh, she just wants her business to grow. She just wants to be a rich billionaire. But no, it was like, I was doing all that so that my babies could have food on the table so that my babies have diapers. Yes. You know, That's what my goal was. It was so that I, I could provide for my kids. And it's like, I couldn't really be the mom that I wanted to be. My baby would cry every time he, every time he was in my arms and I would just hand him over he would he would stop crying when he was with his dad or he would stop crying when he was with his grandma but he would cry when I would take him you know and so, so I couldn't hard. do anything because if I, if I can't even feed my own baby what am I gonna go do I'm just gonna go work yeah gosh <laughs> you know? that must be so kind of hide to cover the fact that I wasn't able to nurture my own child I chose to just cover that up with work I think it's a very common thing it's a common way to yeah. cope um, and thank you for sharing such vulnerable stories about yourself because it's a real and common thing for women, because I think we have a different, when we become breadwinners or the primary breadwinner in our home and mothers on top of that, it, it becomes this dueling identity crisis because mm -hmm. you have your nurturing, you, your whole you know, desire is to provide for your family, you know, that you can make more than your husband. And so you can give your family that better quality of life. And yet being a good mom, being a present mom takes time. And I'm constantly fighting that battle now as I'm trying to level up my business. But yet my whole, the whole reason I'm trying to do that is to be successful enough so that I can drive my kids around and be right. there for them, you know? Finding that balance is so hard. You know, you want to give everything that you give to your kids, to your business. You want to give everything you give to your business, to your kids and your family. And you almost lose yourself yeah. giving so much to everyone else. Exactly. And it's, it's a hard balance to find. So when you do find that, you know, that perfect level ground where you're you're happy and healthy and your family is where they need to be financially and your business is thriving. It's, it takes a long time to get there. It's, it's very seldom that as business owners, especially, you know, working moms with the younger kids, I mean, mine are still in elementary school. Um, it's hard to find that balance and not feel like a failure on one side or the other, whether you're failing your kids or you're failing your business, you're not answering your texts or emails as quite as quickly as you could. You're not sitting down and reading books to your kids the way you wish you had the time to do. And then trying to be yourself. And I do that a lot too. Mine is I'll binge watch TV. And yeah. that's what gets my mind off yeah. of, you know, something that just takes me out of where I'm at and where I feel like I'm failing in whatever situation it is that I feel that I'm failing in. And I'm in this fantasy world. And but at the end of the day, literally at the end of the day, you have to turn that off and, and face the music. And that's not an easy thing to do uh, when you have to come to the realization that all of these 
working pieces need you. You are the common denominator in all of these pieces. And you've got to put your big girl panties on and get it done. Exactly. And I think a lot of, um, I agree with everything you're saying, like how you said, how you have to, you watch TV to kind of escape reality. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that. So it's like, I think another thing, it was perfect timing. It was like for my daughter's first birthday, but also we had bought a house at the exact same time. And it was like, when I bought my first house, it was this huge relief for me because that was a huge goal for me. It was kind of like the first step to finally being able to build my family, buying a house. This is where I'm going to raise my kids. This is where I'm going to, you know, bring in my grandchildren one day. And it's like, I was able to start like a garden and it's like, that's, I found something for once that keeps me distracted. And it was like building a garden. And now that's, that's my distraction. So it's like, lashing be was my therapy for seven years and it's like I was able to have my baby I was able to finally feel what it's like to have a mom to, to be a mom with my daughter and then you know I found my my plant life I'm a plant mom now so I'm my sure that I'm sure the pandemic helped with that having so much time with our families did that solidify your confidence and connection with your kids you think oh yeah um that's why I say COVID was like a blessing in disguise for me because it finally allowed for me to shut off work. Um, I was finally able to, to be a mom. I was able to find something that I liked for myself. You know, I was forced to, because I was so bored, you know, um, work wasn't as obviously like nobody was texting us as much as normal. And I was able to find, uh, um, like when my kids were asleep, I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? Like, should, I don't know what to do. Should I do laundry? Should I clean the wow. house? I don't know. <laughs> and then when my kids were awake, it was like, all right, now I got to keep you guys entertained. So let's go play some games. Let's go build a fort. Let's go, I don't know. Let's go run around in circles for all I care. <laughs> what, a <laughs> you fun, know? what a fun change for you. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I felt that way for sure. I felt like we were constantly going to judo or boxing or volleyball or school or and we never got a chance to catch our breath so in a lot of ways the quarantine for our family was also a blessing Alana what about you guys did you guys want to kill each other after 30 days uh no but my quarantine my lockdown situation was a disaster the uh the barber shop on the military base that I work at did not shut down and my beauty salon did. And the beauty salon and the barbershop are two different entities owned by the same company. And when my shop shut down, the manager of the barbershop jumped ship, really. She assumed that her place was shutting down and she was just terrified of this virus. Uh, I mean, reasonably so but she jumped ship. And so guess who got left holding the bag? So I worked through the entire quarantine on the military base, running the barbershop that was not mine to run. Um, I was basically a glorified receptionist with a manager title, Um, but I I never took a break. It was miserable. I never got that downtime. So I can't relate (laughs) at all. Well, how did you handle the kids situation? Because they went to homeschool, right? They did. They, I had to leave them at home alone and run over to the barbershop and then come back. Um, I mean, my 
daughter's 12. So she's at that babysitting age, Yeah. but, um, but it was hard. I, and I mean, you can see the barbershop parking lot from my house. So I was never far away, but it was just, it never, somebody always had a problem. There was always some need for me to be there. And Mm -hmm. I was there so much. And that's that guilt. I was saying, like, I wasn't able to be there in the way that my kids needed me because I was giving so much of me to the barbershop and it's, it was awful. The lockdown and from March to June was miserable for me. Yeah. In Hawaii, we locked down for a long time, Layla, because we, you know, and luckily aren't because of it, our numbers are very low compared to the rest of the nation, but also our isolation, our isolated position uh, in relation to the continental U.S. Mm-hmm. is allows us to be separate and apart. So it's easier to kind of keep the virus away, but it also doing in doing that, we really tanked our economy. There are so many businesses and restaurants that are just not going to make it, didn't make it, won't ever come back. And, you know, very nostalgic restaurants that Boulevard Simon on Oahu and Dillingham and things that just you're sad to see go, you know, people changing industries from going to the tourism industry to having to completely rewrite their careers because they don't, it's just unpredictable. We don't know when people are going to be able to come back. We don't know when tourism is going to be at the levels it was previously before COVID hit. So, you know, yeah, everybody's experience, it can, you know, is very individual, but I'm grateful that for you and your situation, you were able to take that time and connect with your kids and really gain the connection that you felt you didn't have time to do because your business was so busy that you built a business before you had kids that was so successful that when kids came into play and you started a family, you really had to figure out the balancing act. And to that, I do want to say that you're always trying to balance. It's, it's an ongoing, not it's never ends. You know, you're always trying to figure out that's why the systems are so important that you put in place. So you can figure out how to achieve that balance as much as possible. What advice would you give to girls coming up behind you who want to be mom and boss babe, but Uh, don't know where to start? Yeah. Um, I would say come up with a plan, you know, for each, each, you know, each life, mom life and business life, because like, for example, um, if it weren't for my support system at home, you know, my mom, his mom, um, you know, our friends that love to come over and watch our dogs for us or watch the baby for an hour. <laughs> like, you know, if it weren't for our, our, our childcare, you know, then we wouldn't have been able to be, at, you know, move the shop or even be at work or, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have been able to even go back to work. 